You are now listening to Pull Hook Golf, an unfiltered golf podcast taking you inside the ropes with unfiltered stories, insights, analysis, and exclusive interviews. Welcome back, everybody, to Pull Hook Golf, the podcast. This is episode number 67. I'm Matt Cook. This is Bobby Brown, the legendary PGA Tour caddy. And boy, do we have a special show for everybody today. We've got really what has become and what I've heard is really one of the players' favorite championships here at the Travelers. Out yeah, in Connecticut. it Crom- is. Is it Cromfield? Cromwell. 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 C-R-O-M-W-E-L-L. Cromwell. See, that's what yeah. I get for not having my notes up in front of me early. You know, those things happen. It's okay. But we've got a bunch to dive into. Yeah, we've got a lot to get into. We've got the U.S. Open that just recapped or just happened at uh, Los Angeles Country Club. We've got a little bit, I mean, just a tiny bit of news around the merger. Not much. Um, So don't get too excited, fans, for the end of the episode. Uh, But nonetheless, let's go ahead and jump in. And Bobby, you've got some candy shakeup news for us. From You want to start right with, you want to start. You want to start right with that? I do. That's where I want to begin. Let's get into well, it. Well, I hope everybody's sitting down because this is going to be a big surprise that Sung JM has fired another caddy, <laughs> another one of my referrals, another friend, Lance Bennett. Rest in peace. Uh, $150,000 to the good, I reckon, in the in the last three months. So that's the positive on something like this. But I'll tell you, it was kind of a, I can't use the F word anymore. YouTube <laughs> says I can't use the F word. So it was kind of a beep situation so let me let me paint the picture for you he misses another cut he's he's playing bad right now right so they missed the cut on friday and it's lance's little boy's third birthday so he gives usually you hang around with the koreans because you have to practice over the weekend and get yourself through it right sure so so he so he says lance you go home you go home for the weekend go be with your little boy. No big deal. I'll practice. I can be, uh, I, I can be by myself. I don't need you. So I should preface this story by telling you that I have a friend who played on tour, um, out here. We all have a friend for, he played out here for five or six years. He's gone through some, I'll just say it, some big addiction problems. Willie Wilcox, do you know the name Willie Wilcox, yeah. right? Really good ball striker came out quite openly about his drug problems that he was playing pretty on pretty much on drugs. Like I didn't know, we didn't know it was as deep as heroin, but it was a heroin thing. And he's just, he's just, have you ever met guys in life that get wrapped up in drugs and they're just like the coolest guys for some reason, right? They're like the guys you want to hang roommates. Yeah. They're just, they're just good guys. And for whatever reason, whatever their story is, they go down the wrong path. And once they take that wrong turn, it's, it's hard to get back onto the expressway, so to speak. So anyways, Willie has moved, has quit playing golf. He started caddying a little bit for Lanto Griffin and he wanted to get away kind of from the tour life and keep himself on the up and up. So he moved to where I live in Charleston. He started caddying out at the ocean course at Kiowa and his stock was rising out there. He was doing well. He was playing a lot of golf and he linked up with a an, an amateur, a fifth-year senior. He actually played in the U.S. Open uh, this past week. Willie Caddy for him. His name's Ben Carr. He got beaten in the finals to Sam Bennett, if you remember, in Jersey at Ridgewood. So they're in the U.S. Open. He played on the Corn Ferry Tour with Sung Jay, right? So I'm setting this story up. And um, so Lance has gone home. Sung Jay's missed another cut. He, he's in one of those streaks. He's never been outside the top 30 on the FedEx Cup. Not one week of his career ever in, let's say, call it five or six years. Right, Matt? So I'm sitting at home and I'm watching the U.S. Open and I get a, I get a screenshot text 
from a caddy. We call him Bambi. His name's Ron Levin. And he says, is this true? And it's Willie Wilcox on Twitter saying, wow, I'm excited. I just found out I'm going to work for Sung JM for two weeks. Right. And I'm like, well, that can't be true. I think it's I think it was like when the PIF thing, when you sent me the PIF thing, it was the first thing that went through my mind was like, like it was some kind of fake news. And I'll tell you why I thought it was fake news is because I, we had the U.S. Junior Amateur, Matt, coming up the third week of July across the street from my house. And I have a young man named Willie Walsh who is going on a, a full scholarship to Pepperdine from Northern California, needed a caddy, right? So I nego- negotiated Willie to work for him the third week of third week of july and so anyways i'm like let me check into this so who's the first one i check with is lance right so i call lance and i go hey is thing are things good with you and sung he's like oh yeah you let me go home for my son's birthday right and i'm like well you need to see this so i sent him the fuck that excuse me the effing the effing screenshot and he goes you're kidding right so the deal was is that Willie somehow, Willie and Sungjae cross. They played together on the Corn Fairy tour. Let's just say they were acquaintances. They got paired together. It's not like they were great friends or anything like that. Willie hung out with different people, and Sungjae's Korean. That's all I need to say about that. So, anyways, apparently within two minutes, Sungjae's like, "Oh, you caddy? No, you caddy now, Willie." He's like, "Yeah, I'm caddying for this Ben Carr, this amateur. We made the cut." He's like, "Oh yeah, congratulations!" And he and Willie said that that Sungjae took like two steps and he turned back around and he goes, "You know what? My luck bad. My luck bad right now with my caddy Lance. Maybe you come caddy for me for two weeks. It's okay." And Willie's like, "Here's Sungjae M. Yeah, I'd love to." So Willie didn't know the deal, so he immediately puts it on Twitter. Right? So, so. So now Lance is devastated. I've told him the bad news. So I immediately text Rambert, his agent, and I text Sungjae, and I showed him a picture of the screenshot. And I go, hey, tell me if this is true or not. And they both responded back, it's true. And I said, you know, Willie just put this up on effing Twitter, and you guys haven't told Lance that yet, and that's not a very good way to do business. So they they scrambled, they picked up the phone, they called Lance, they told him, hey, they were going to make a change. They made it sound like it was only going to be a two-week see-how-it-goes thing. Matt, oh but you know, though, you know, that's BS, right? Those, yeah. that's just their way of trying to be nice and not let somebody down. And I think they feel bad, felt bad about, about the way it went down. So Willie's, Willie's super excited. I got him to take that thing down because obviously with my, you know, what's funny is I was talking, we, me and Sungjae had a long talk on the range today and I feel like our relationship, we're good friends. I feel like I fell in, I'm falling into an older brother role with him does that make any sense he really doesn't yeah, have a lot of friends as a mentor yeah well i don't know about that but <laughs> but an older brother sounds so much better so an older brother wrote so he was kind of telling me that you know lance listens to this podcast as we all know he's been one of our great guests on before on it and he was just telling me hey i'm not playing good and and you know that culture they're very superstitious as far as as luck goes so good news for willie um, bad news for Lance. Lance was pretty bummed out about it. But I told Lance the same thing that I told Billy Spencer when Billy Spencer went in there. I go, listen, can we put this in the big picture? Because I'm a big picture guy, as you know. Man. I go, you should have taken a screenshot of your checking account, Lance, before you took the Sung J bag and then a screenshot the day that you lost the Sung J bag because it's about $150,000 in three months with a couple good chances to win. And when 
And listen, Sanjay doesn't doesn't listen to this podcast, but he, I'd be the first one to tell tell him when you go to work for Sanjay M, you're immediately on the clock, right? You know the stories. He's just a tough bag. He's hard on caddies. He can not make you feel comfortable out there. And he's I'm just going to say it in quotation marks, and I've said it to his face. He's never made a mistake or hit a bad shot in his life. So you you try and. Man, I really hope he doesn't listen to this podcast, but you suck every penny out of him that you possibly can and you go for as long as you can. So that is a that's a big shakeup. Willie's got a very vibrant, outgoing personality, which we're going to see how that goes over with Sungjae as far as the social side goes. Because you, as I told you before, when you work for Sungjae M, it doesn't matter if it's Tuesday on the driving range for two hours, you have to be in the zone and you have to be focused and you have to wait on him. It's all about the service and that kind of stuff. And I kind of, made a deal with Sungjae that I was going to kind of, I wouldn't say co- coach Willie through, but I was going to send him some messages and some tidbits on, you know, on what's expected from working for Sungjae. And, you know, you got to go to meters. He's never done meters before. You got to adjust your pin sheet down by 9% for obvious reasons. So, you know, so it's that time of year and, you know, and, and another went, Another one, another one went down shortly thereafter that, and that was a good friend of mine, David Streza, who works for Brandon Wu, and they're having a great year. We are, all of us are scratching our heads over this one. He was 43rd on the list. Um, you know, David is, is a little bummed out right now as he should be, because he, he kind of helped build that player from the ground up, you know, from the ground up. And when you invest that much time and it comes to an end, you really, you really take it personal, right? It's hard. It's hard to let it go. So I'm not sure what Brandon Wu's plans are. He does have Harry Higgs's ba- uh, brother on the bag, Al Higgs, because Harry's not in this week in this, you know, desi- designated event. So two Saturday, two Saturday firings in June. I'd like to say it's a surprise and it's a shock map, but in this business, brother, what is a surprise and a shock? Nothing really surprises me anymore. So that's that's kind of that's kind of some big news on the on the caddy front there. I'm, I, I'm sure we'll up. have. God, it just happens. This is the caddy <laughs> show, right? So let's not talk about it. We'll get the good shit over with. So I, I wish Sung I wish Sung the best. Like I said, we had a nice talk on the range today. And I feel like he has to explain himself to me. You know what I mean? Like, this is the reason why I did this. And, oh, you know, I little crazy and all oh, that kind of stuff. And I just wonder who's the best Korean in the world right now. It's Siwoo, right? Siwoo's the best Korean in the world right now. Well, when Siwoo had his, and I love Sungjae's dad, but it's, but Siwoo's been recently married. His dad's been back in Korea for the last couple of years. And I don't think it's any coincidence that, that Siwoo is a little more freed up on the golf course that, because he doesn't, maybe he doesn't have to come home every single night and explain what went wrong or why he hit a seven iron here or why, you know, why he missed this green. Um, I'm just assuming that's what those kids go through in the, in that culture. So we'll see if, I don't know if Sungjae will ever get that independence. I'm, I'm sure he will as he gets older, you know, or as his dad gets older. But I wish him the best of luck. And 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 I'll say it again: Willie's been through some personal struggles, and I, you know, and I really wish the best for him. This is a, you know, he made some good money while he was on tour. But when you have some bad habits, um, I don't think I think that money goes pretty quick. I think you know I can speak for myself. I had issues in my early 20s. I I, I was never to his level. 
you know, but you just, you know, you think it's always going to be, it's always there until it's not really right. It's always there until it's not. So I wish the best for William. And I just, I just hope everything works out. And it looks like I have to find a new caddy for the U S junior if it does work out. So what do you do in the third week of July? <laughs> Apparently I can get you 15, <laughs> get you 1500 to $500 bonus for every match. Done. And so, uh, yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> And, and, and I, I'm excited to have the U S junior, you know, that's where all your Scotty Shufflers and your future stars, you know, really come at the map. I'm going to be out of town that week. I've, I've been fielding a lot of phone calls and trying to move some, some, you know, I wish I had a caddy factory, right. Where I could just build a nice model and You're ship kind them out. Of are right now. I mean, uh, yeah, I know. You, but well, you know what I mean. of guys. I do. I do a little bit. There's no doubt about that. But you always want to make sure it's the right fit, because when you refer a guy, it's a direct reflection on you and they're taking your opinions, you know, and that kind of stuff. But uh, I was telling Lori, I'm like, man, it's 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 I'm I'm glad that I'm on the road and everything like that. But I, I just love working for young kids and seeing the, the future out there. And it's a USG event. It's a fantastic golf course, Daniel Island Club. I know I'm getting off track here a little bit, but it should be super exciting. On a when side note, you it is July. I'm going to say the first play date is July 23rd. And then there's there's two courses there, the Beresford Creek and the, and Ralston. And the USG has been there the last two years. I see them driving around. They've been touching up the golf course, redoing the bunkers, doing what USGA guys, what, what they do to certain courses to make them fit. I'm not going to say it was a success last week at LA North, but we'll get into that a little bit later. So I'm pretty stoked. And then I was telling Lori, I'm like, you know, we live five minutes from the course. I think we can rent our house for like five fucking grand. Can you, can you go downtown for a week with a dog at a hotel? I did the math. It's going to cost $2,190 with pet fees. And we're going to walk out of there making 2,800. And she just stared me down. So I'll take that as a healthy negative. Bob. Yeah. That, that's a, that's a hard no there. Bobby. Yeah. But I wouldn't, we have an extra bedroom too, but it's, it's a shame that these kids, they come with their parents, right? You know, a 16 year old doesn't come and play in this, the biggest junior tournament in the world by himself. But I would just love to be a part of a young man's dream and have them stay at my house and, and, and that kind of stuff. But you, you know me, I'm the big dreamer, right? Everything's a big dream. And I feel like I got my heart in the right spot. So that's the big, that's the big caddy shakeup news. And I'm sure we have, was there other golf last week? I can't really remember. Cause I never left the I TV. Don't know. I watched every minute. Yeah. I w- got to get into that, but I do want to say yeah. that as soon as uh Sung Jay runs out of options of caddies, yeah, that uh, I'm available. <laughs> I'm, I'm jumping in. I'll take 150 grand over three months. Let's go, Sung Jay. Let's make it happen, exactly. buddy. We got yeah. this. You I know? can just stay out of the I can just stay out of the way and be quiet and let you do your thing, you know. Yeah, I mean, I'll and, give him numbers, I'll stay yeah, out the way, I'll bring some good energy yeah, out there. For sure. And as soon as he comes up short or he comes up long, you can look at him and you can go, Why no pin high? Huh? Why no? <laughs> Open eye, you so bad player. <laughs> Would be awesome. <laughs> Would be awesome if somebody had the huevos grande to do that to him, even though he's my buddy. What else you got tonight? Ah, uh, U.S. Open. Let's recap that bad oh, boy yeah. out at Los Angeles yeah. Country Club. Mm-hmm. A nice little country club that uh, you know they've got a few members and uh, yeah, yeah, kind of a good golf course Couple there. Bucks. Yeah, a yeah, couple bucks yeah. there, you know. It's well, right I'm off gonna... of Wilshire Boulevard and right by yeah. on the border of Beverly Hills. I used to live right over there when back in the day when I lived in L.A. for a year. But, man, I, I was actually in L.A. 
So I actually drove past, yeah, and they me. built like this really cool bridge over um, over Wilshire Boulevard for fans to be able to go over from the parking lot and everything, which it was really cool to see. But only eighteen thousand fans. We'll get into I that know. a little bit. Um, but what did you learn from last week's U.S. Open, there, Bobby? Because you oh, watched well, every minute of it. We were texting minute. back and forth. It was great. Yeah. Well, I, I I actually wanted to ask you that question first because I'm gonna. I'm not going to say I'm going to go on a rant, but it didn't feel like a U.S. Open. It didn't feel like a U.S. Open to me. The first thing I was frustrated with was, did you notice that the angle of the TV cameras were all off a little bit? Like you never got a direct line on a tee shot or never, never a direct line on a green. It felt like some tee shots and holes were crisscrossing. So I was a little confused as to um, the routing of the golf course. There shouldn't there, there didn't seem to be a lot of, and I watched it from the crack of dawn on and, you know, I'm on the East coast. So it didn't finish till 10 30 or 10 45 at night. I was driving Lori and the boys crazy, but you know, they they focused on the same players all the time. Obviously, um, you know, I had a bunch of friends. I had a bunch of friends, including yourself, trying to get some trying to get some tickets. And I was I, I had, did have some friends that ended up going out there that are from that area that are Riviera members. And they were saying that the, the I'm just going to say it, they said the spectating was horrible. They couldn't really hardly see anything. I don't think you could. Part of the golf course was shut down to people like the corner, the, that that corner there of twelve and thirteen T at Augusta, where you couldn't watch, you couldn't see twelve or thirteen. There wasn't very many people. Numerous players have gone on record, as have my caddy buddies, the saying that the the energy and the vibe wasn't there. And Matt, I've said it before. I've done numerous U.S. Opens, and the whole key to a U.S. Open as a caddy is and a player is. When you make three pars or four pars in a row, Matt, you're like, I got momentum and I'm rolling. And when those guys went Yahtzee the first day, you knew that that the USGA was going to have trouble. I understand the marine layer and that kind of stuff, but they were going to have trouble keeping that golf course around even par. Let's just say that. They weren't even close to even par. There was a big difference in waves from the morning waves to the afternoon waves as, as, as we did see some u.s open kind of action there over the weekend in the in the later waves when things started firming up but way too wide of fairways right well um uh, the par threes were obviously fantastic it was a great mix of par three distances anywhere from 80 some yards all the way up to 284 or 290 which was great but when you got guys like colin marikawa and victor hovland um bk brooks said something i think even john Rahm might have gone on record as saying something and then i talked to all my guys and it just didn't have the feel or the excitement that that you know shinnecock would have or or even if it was at riviera or what we had at brookline last year with all the boston crazies you know and it's just it just i think that i know it was a great golf course to showcase and it's a very famous golf course but you know, I was disappointed personally. Thoughts? Do you have any yeah, thoughts on that? I do. Well, when we talk about the atmosphere, the one stat that stands out to me is that 18,000 yeah. fans were sold tickets. Yeah. Right? Yeah. At the Waste Management Open on the 16th hole alone, you have 20,000 fans. So, so that should, yeah. That, that tells you right there that, yeah, it was way too limited. Bad job from a fan exposure and from really, I mean, a USGA event, this is a US open. This is for the fans. It's like that one to me didn't make a whole lot of sense. Obviously property parking, all that type of stuff is a challenge in that area, but just not what I was expecting at all. Like you said, 
Colin Morikawa came out and he was so excited about this tournament and sure. his biggest Local negative Yoko. on it. Yeah. He was pumped. He's like, I've been looking yeah. forward to this for so long. And then a day later, or actually two days later, he's like, the atmosphere sucked. Like the fans yeah. were boring. Yeah. I mean, that's really yeah. what it came down to. And you heard it from yeah. obviously not only the players, but also from the caddy side as well. The course, mm -hmm. let's talk about the course for a second, because sure. I think the USGA actually got screwed by the weather. I don't think for it sure. was something to yeah, wear for sure. They can't trick out that golf course to be, I mean, right around even par because that is a very challenging golf course. Um, I didn't, I also did not like the setup with the camera towers and so forth. You noticed where that? You really couldn't. Yeah. yeah. Everything was off at an angle. Um, yeah. even, I mean, shoot, even on Sunday when, uh, Wyndham Clark, I was one of his last two tee shots, whether it was 17 or 18, I don't remember, but all of a sudden this shot tracer was way off. And it's like, man, the one time you need a shot tracer because yeah, it right. started getting dark. Sun started like right. blasting in their faces and everything. And those last two holes go yeah. basically directly into the sun setting. And so the shot tracer showed that shot going way off to the right. And then it ends up in the right side of the fairway. So you went yeah. from going, oh, no, he freaking mm -hmm. blew it to all of a sudden. Oh, it's right there. Yeah. All yeah, right, cool. exactly. I mean, it just I, wasn't I, a great set up it was it was disappointing right man it was just it was just disappointing but i don't want to take i don't want to take away from the potential star that we just saw play golf right? oh my gosh because he is he was so impressive you know you know i beat you out of the 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 penny bet because i, I love how i winning. started talking about him and then you created a penny bet against me with him i love the fact that you did that yeah. to me well but well for those that don't know matt is matt is not like related to wyndham clark but as you, if you've listened to the show before they work out that the, they same that they you share the same trainer right they share yep. the same trainer so matt's well aware of who wyndham clark is and you know i i'm not tuning my own horn but i told you we talked about it a few months ago that I really thought that he was going to get on form and he had so much potential and so much horsepower and he just lost his shit, honestly, on the golf course all the time. And he could not take failure and he could not take a bad shot. And, you know, and he's got over that. Obviously we'll talk about Julie's role, his, his head coach in the whole yeah. thing with, because he's been, and she's really done a lot for him, but let's just talk about, did I nail Kirk Kitayama as the breakout player of the year? Yeah, I nailed, I nailed <laughs> that. But it, this guy, here's your real breakout player of the year is Wyndham Clark. And I got to tell you another story. I'm really, really good friends with his caddy, John Ellis. And actually my roommate who I'm staying with this, John Turcott, um, played on the Canadian tour, was a fantastic golfer at the University of Wisconsin. Played John, John, both Johns, John Turcott and John Ellis both played in the U.S. Open at Torrey Pines. I've talked about this U.S. Open at Torrey Pines. I think it was 2011, maybe, where Stuart Appleby made the 90-foot putt on the 18th hole at Torrey Pines. Knocked my roommate out, John Turcott. He also knocked out John Ellis. And John Ellis, you know, we all kind of hung in the same group on the Canadian tour. And John Ellis to me of all the guys I was hanging out with was the guy that I thought that wasn't going to miss. Right. He was going to be like a no miss guy, but for some reason he could not, it was putting with him, but he really couldn't get through second stage of Q school ever. And I guess it's all good now because he's made about 800 grand in, in two tournaments. So I couldn't be more excited. You know, I think when John came out, when he retired from golfing, he was a stud on all American at the university of Oregon. He took the assistance job under Casey Martin 
Obviously, Wyndham played for Wyndham played for him, you know, and Norman Zhang, the big player that was recruited that Callaway paid all the money for, he played there too. And for I think when John first came out, I don't know if he would say he was a great caddy and everything like that. He was a great player, but I I think he's molded over time. And you know, my big deal is is when I watch these things on TV and those boom mics and hot mics are right on us all the time. So you really get to hear what a player's saying. And I was so impressed the way that he kept the flow going and when he opened up that quick three shot lead and then it was not down to, and then it was down to two shot lead and then a one shot lead. Did you notice walking off a 16 T that John said something to him that made him laugh and they were both giggling. And that's what, that's what caddies do under pressure is they try and, they try and put a smile on guy's face when it feels, when you you feel the momentum turning the other time. So I was super proud of both of those guys. And this guy could be, you know, you can take your Tom Kim all you want, but I'm going to take Wyndham Clark every day of the week because here is your prototypical 2023 goes to the gym, gets after it, just a complete absolute thoroughbred. And we were due for we were due for something like that because we lost a lot of players, right? I mean, we lost a we we lost a lot of players, and and personally, I'll just say I'm happy that a live guy didn't win myself. You know, I just felt like that was going to be too much ammunition for all those those live people that we talk about, you know, the, the tweeters or social media guys that don't have anything nice to say, like I should talk, right. I'm the king of talking (laughs) shit myself, but um, uh, I was just super stoked. So I don't want to take away from him. I don't want to take away from the fact that Rory almost won another major and looked like he was possibly going to get it done. Um, The Ricky Fowler story was just amazing from the start. I will tell you that there's another caddy that is very, that is finally getting the respect he deserves himself. Ricky Romano, who was a fantastic, another fantastic college player, was a great California mini tour player, burst on the scene with Charlie Belgian um, when they tried to rib, win Riviera, and he ends up with Ricky's bag. And if you listen to him talk to, he is very, he is very positive, right? That's what Ricky Romano is. He's like John Ellis. They're very positive caddies and they reek of they they reek of something good's gonna happen to their player. And and everybody, it seemed like everybody had a great week, except for the guys that didn't like the golf course, right? Except for the yeah. guys that didn't like the golf course. And that's, and I will tell you this for all that we talk about. And he talks about himself, Brooks Kepka, how he's mentally stronger than everybody else for him to make those comments on after the round on Thursday, when he didn't get off to a good start that, Hey, I don't really, this is a great golf course to come play with your friends, but not have a U.S. Open. What is that? Where was his mental strength that he thinks he's so much better than everybody else? Well, and Does I that make sense Before the you? week, too, though. Before the week, he was talking yeah. about how, look at my past, look at my history. I love U.S. Opens because they're single digits. I don't go yeah. off and go crazy with a ton of birdies and everything and yeah. shoot 25 yeah. under par, look at my history. So he kind of pigeon held himself. And then as soon as yeah. the numbers were eight under the first round and yeah. he makes that comment, he's out of the right. golf tournament. So yeah, you're yeah. spot on. I mean, for as much as he touts being so yeah. mentally strong in major championships, he talked himself out of this championship. He, I, I call it the edge, right, man? He lost his edge right there. He basically was... I translated. He's basically saying, "I'm too far back. I didn't make enough birdies. I Definitely. can't win. I didn't. I didn't get that red hot. I didn't get that red hot start." And you know, obviously, as the week, the you know, as the tournament went on through the weekend and Sunday, it was quite obvious that 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 nobody that was in contention that was going to be teeing off at two or three p.m. was going to make a huge move and go for seven under, unless your name is 
Tommy Fleetwood, but he was still two or three hours in front of everybody else and, and threw up a nice little post. It was still soft post. No. at that point in, in time. The yeah, marine layer yeah. was out. Yeah. It was nice and soft for him. It was, it was a scorable golf course in the mornings. And then as yes. the afternoon and the marine layer burned off on Saturday and Sunday, yeah. it became a shot, pretty difficult golf yeah, it, course. If you shot one to three under, you played some golf out there, right? But it's so weird turning on the mornings and, and seeing – guys just attacking flag sticks in a u.s open when it's all about strategy and you're pinpointing the the run the release on the greens and and strategizing your way around there i mean it was a great looking golf course but i still couldn't tell you the i couldn't tell you the routing of the holes and i'm usually one of those picture perfect memories when it comes to golf courses and oh i remember this hole and i remember that hole and every time i turn the tv on i'm like what hole are we talking about here and then the weird camera angle so it I was, was. it was the weird camera angles bobby because yeah. you couldn't see the layout of the golf course i right, mean that's what right. was pretty challenging about the whole entire yeah. tv broadcast yeah. and maybe it was just where they could actually set up tv towers and so forth or where they thought they Had were going to be. get good shots i don't know yeah uh, you, <coughs> excuse me. Uh, you know what? Another pleasant surprise was that I made a bad call at the start of the year when they hired Brad. Baxter I love it when you broad- talk about bad calls. <laughs> I made a bad call talking about Brad Faxon. That that yeah, <laughs> talking about Brad Faxon and how I didn't think he was going to fit on TV. Boy, he's like sounds like the best on TV now, doesn't he? He's, he's pretty his, dang good. Dang his his insight, and I'm always been an Azinger fan. People either love Paul or they hate him. I personally love him because I've said before I've been with him in practice rounds at concession in the past, and he's just like a big kid. He just loves golf so much. But listening to Brad Faxon was was made my whole week, and just what's going through players' mind, and especially his expertise with with putting and how he preaches the non the non-foot thing and the aim point and he's all feel and he's all mental upstairs oh, and that kind of that. stuff. I do. That was a big, that was a big win. I think for the broadcast, you want to know what the big loser on the broadcast was? Oh yeah. How the hell do they have Morgan Pressel doing a men's U S open and don't even get me started on her voice because <laughs> it's so bad for TV. It's funny. I, that I was text, rough. That was rough. Oh, how I don't, I, I don't, I, I don't want to talk badly about Morgan Press. I can, but that was a tough, TV, annoying, annoying. It was like, yeah, and I just didn't quite. I didn't. I don't know. It just didn't sell me as her as a broadcaster mm-hmm. doing yep. a U.S. Open, a major championship. I know they're trying yeah. to be diverse and have a woman on there and so forth. Sure. But it yeah. just didn't resonate with me from the content that was being talked about. And I feel you know, like you need good content, especially yeah. at a major championship. Yeah. And I don't really, I, I, I watch my share of LPGA. I'm going to admit it. I like, I like watching these women athletes play golf. And she's obviously the lead announcer on the LPGA, but she's, She's following Judy Rankin, who's all t- the all-time greatest women's announcer in LPGA, and there'll never be another one like her. So I think she's got an uphill battle, but I was disappointed that 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 they had her. And it's not a man-woman thing to me whatsoever. It's what the viewers can relate to. And I feel like eight out of ten viewers want to hear it from somebody that's been there before. She's never won a U.S. Oh, U.S. Open. Obviously, she finished second in the U.S. Open when she was like 16 years old. But she doesn't have much experience in the men's game and 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 that kind of stuff. So I was a little disappointed on that. I would have rather to see our caddy buddy who does great TV, John Wood, running yeah. that in the booth doing that three or four hour broadcast. I loved him when he was doing it. 
he's he's fabulous. He's he's fantastic. And did you know at the start of at the start of the week? I don't know if you saw it or not, but he actually went out there and did with a yardage book and did like a tutorial on what the caddies are doing out there and what the strategies were for. I think every day, like Monday, Tuesday, and Wednesday, he did like three or four holes, and I really really enjoyed that. So there was a lot of positives, but on a scale of one to ten, I'm just going to tell you this was a seven for a for a u.s open and i don't think another u.s open is going to go a men's u.s open is going to go back there i believe the women go there it's funny how the usga already has u.s open courses for like 2034 and 2039 i guess 39 back at la country club is it for the men or for the women for the women i believe yeah, it's yeah, it's for the women. We also do have a U.S. Open coming up at Riviera sometime in the future. I know we're playing That's this next be year. Epic. There's your U.S. Open course. There's where you're going to have tens of thousands of people and electricity, and you're not going to be claustrophobic. And people are. Go- I mean, they're crazy there when we play Tigers tournament, right? So you know, and that it was a- course is tough enough. You grow oh out that God. rough. Oh, it's going to yeah. be epic. You know, Absolutely. you know my, you know my stories when I've gone on record saying the greatest round that I've ever seen that I've ever been a part of was Siwoo there five years ago when it was blowing forty miles an hour. And granted, that's in February, right? But you get the, that rough up and those firm, those firm, firm greens where you're basically playing front edge or just past front edge and and the slopes in them and that kind of stuff. Oh, now gosh. that's going to be what's the what number is the par three hmm. that can't be hit as it is already? Oh, I'm trying to remember the number. Which oh, one? It's the par three with the bunker in the front and all the four, bulls end up four. 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 Yeah, they all land. We all land one pace short yep. into the Kikuyu and it stays right there. Yeah, exactly. four. Great yep. hole. <coughs> and just Excuse imagine me, that thing going. getting burnt out and all of a sudden just oh hard God. as a rock. That's going to be impossible. I can't wait. I hopefully I'm still alive for that when it rolls around and still, and still I'm not on crutches or watching it in a wheelchair. <laughs> so just to summarize, it was a seven out of 10. I was totally disappointed. I was totally stoked for, for wow, Wyndham. Seven out of 10. Yeah. I, I gave him a seven out of, oh, where were you? I was in the Six-ish? five to six. Wow. That's almost failing. Like that was a good grade for me in high school of five, you know, 50% yeah. or 60%, you know, I'll, I'll give it a seven just because, just because Wyndham, just because Wyndham won it. But the, the lack of, the lack of crowd support and the excitement and the electricity that goes with the u.s open and it's just that's got to be a tough place to have one right i mean riviera and santa monica there it's a it's a much more accessible to get to traffic's still a nightmare but there's just so much history at, at riviera and i was you know another thing i read of those 18 i, I heard eighteen thousand tickets and i've heard 21 or twenty-two thousand tickets but you also heard the story that most of the members have such so much money that they bought up thousands of tickets right so they wouldn't have that many people there and that was a little foo-foo-y for me if you know what i mean nose up in the form. air you know hey listen i know when you hold a, a course at your own private at your own private club that you know, that that's your sacred club and that kind of stuff. But I would, if I was a member, I would be like so excited to show the public my, you know, what my hard work in life or owning a business or successful or something. I would like to show off the club where I've retired at, you know, and that I get to play every single day and not a lot of people get to play. So I was a little bummed to hear about that too. Whew, I'm out of breath. That was good, Bobby. Let's talk about okay. the betting bets for a second because... Ooh. Whew, two oh out of three. Boy. I took you out. Yeah, I took. I'm um, sorry uh, about that. Yeah, go ahead. Can, tell it. Go ahead. Tell. I everybody. mean, the one that I didn't expect you to win was the one you actually won. Yeah, so, I like that one. Yeah, you did. I yeah, thought Max Homa was going to. He got to get over the hurdle. And, 
he got to get over the hurdle in major championships. There's there's something with Max major championships that they just don't get along. It's funny we watch him play for three or four weeks out of the year, and we're like, man, is this a top five player in the world or a top ten player in the world? But just goes to show you how deep the talent pool is. But I don't what he's what's he played in six U.S. Opens? He's made the cut in one, if I'm not mistaken. I now. think there's and, that level of confidence that's lacking from him in major yeah, championships. Has, yeah, has to be, has to be. And yeah, that was definitely. I thought he was going to get over the hump because of the hometown crowd and everything. But as we just talked about, there was no atmosphere. So maybe no, that none. played a little bit a part of not kind of boosting him up into that next level. But you had Justin Sue. Is it Sue or Suh? Suh. Yes. <laughs> so you I had him. I had Max oh, Homa and you won that one. I had Preston yeah. Summerhays and you had Michael Brennan, I, which both Brennan. of those guys ended up missing the cut. You should but give me a discount for that. You should give me a 5,000 penny discount. Should we for just that disqualify that one? Do you want to disqualify? I, I didn't feel no, right about I that. I can't one. do that. Right. I, you know, I'm a karma guy. I, you, you, that was a, that was a win. That was, I a gave win. you an I opening picked- there. I picked first, and you know what the problem was? I, I I read this article about Martin. Obviously, I knew who he was, but I read this article about him, and I'm like, oh man, this guy is going to play pretty good. But honestly, if I had to do it all over again, I would have gone. I probably would have gone with Gordon Sargent, you know. But he disappointed me so bad at Augusta. Didn't you that he mention scared. him? And then you went with Michael Brennan. Yeah, I thought so. I did. Yeah, yeah, yeah I did. Decision there. Yeah, yeah um, thanks, man. I love you too, buddy. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that was a bad decision, bro. I made plenty of them in my life. <laughs> and I plenty got Scotty Scheffler over your Victor Hovland, but I liked your Victor Hovland up until his comments. So yeah, long story short, so, I am up what six thousand again. Yeah, okay. you're back six thousand. Back up six thousand pennies. You gotta yeah, love that. You gotta be, if you're Matt Cook. Yeah. Which if I you're am. Matt Cook, not not if you're not if you're not if you're Bob. No, you're, back, you're, Bob. you're you're gonna have to go on another run here. So uh, I need to get I need to get the live tour back. It's the only thing I can win on. Well, and you've given up your number one draft pick of the I'm worst gonna get it back. On. You're gonna make a mistake one of these weeks. God, we're running out of tournaments on the live tour. I we need are. to make a mistake. We really are make a maybe mistake forever, soon. too. Maybe maybe these are gonna be the last live golf events ever. I I say right now. You pick up yeah. some swag for the different yeah. teams because yeah. if they do go belly up, you're going to be like, remember yeah. when there was a team called yeah. the Range Coats? Yeah. As Joel Damon would say, I always dreamed about playing on the four aces <laughs> when I was growing up. Now maybe they'll let me do it. <laughs> but we got some good golf coming up. We do have some good golf coming up. But before we go there, on the line of. Yeah what we were talking about with Wyndham Clark and how great it was to see him win. I really feel like this was an obvious one that the PGA tour just did not do a good job at all of promoting this individual. And I, I really believe, and I've thought this for years now and before we even started doing the show or anything like that, I really felt like the PGA tour is really bad at promoting people. And it, they don't start promoting until somebody actually wins or mm-hmm. is somebody like Ricky Fowler who has that crossover kind of ability for motocross to the PGA tour. And that's why Ricky became so big, but all you need to do is put a little effort behind some of these guys that are super talented. And I don't know yeah. why they don't have somebody in their marketing division that is going, that is almost like a, an agent who's looking at these guys going, wow, this guy is the next guy. Because as you and I, if you and I can sit here and go, Hey, Wyndham Clark is going to be a, mm-hmm. 
outstanding breakout player at some point mm-hmm. this year. He's playing way mm-hmm. too well. They could have started this at the beginning of the year, Bobby, when you all of a sudden well, you look and he's number two in driving distance. And then on top of that, the guy's jacked. He's a good looking guy. Like you've mm-hmm. got all the pieces there in order to really promote somebody. And he's got a good personality. That's the other thing too. I just started hearing him in interviews and I'm like, wow, how do you not promote this guy? Well, I, I will, but the only, I agree with you and I disagree with you. And I'll tell you the reason why I disagree with you. You already mentioned all the reasons why I agree with you, but why I disagree with you is because he played on tour for five years and he made $3 million. Right. And only us guys on the inside would get bits and pieces of how real talented he really was. And, you know, he pops up on form and he, and he, he wins at Wells Fargo. He wins at Wells Fargo on a big boy golf course. And he's very impressive doing that. But I don't know if he was really on the PGA tours radar at that point. I mean, it didn't take them long to jump on Tom Kim when he got hot last year and start promoting the hell out of him. You, well, they you know, were late so. on him too. In yeah, my opinion. Were, well, yeah, but I don't know how, I, I don't know who runs that or how you promote that because the fact is, is that we're down to promoting only X amount of guys right now because X amount of guys went to play live. Right. So, so who do we promote now? Scotty, John, Colin, Max, continue on. Jordan Spieth, Justin Thomas, Spieth, George, Justin Ricky Thomas. Wow. Yeah. Justin Thomas. We didn't even talk about that disappointment. I told you that, that, you know, the ship is taking water right now you know the ship is taking water can i say it again yeah on this show that i don't Mm -hmm. think him and bones are a good fit well i'm not going to comment on that i'm just not going to comment on that for uh, for obvious reasons because i can't i can't i can't comment on that but i do respect your uh, i do respect your opinion well and i love bones and i love justin thomas there's yeah, nothing does. wrong with those two guys. Like they're both amazing at their craft, but every once in a while, it's like putting a bunch of legends in basketball together, like yeah. putting in a four guy or a big three. Right. And all of a yeah. sudden it's like, Oh, you're expected to win a championship. And then they're terrible that year. And you're like, yeah. what the hell happened? Sometimes yeah. the personalities information, like I think Justin Thomas just needs to go out and play. And I think yeah, owns a little bit yeah. of, a lot of information. And I think it just gets overwhelming for JT to where he's trying to pull off yep. that perfect shot for bones and it just doesn't yep. happen. But that's yep. my one little piece that's on okay. Justin Thomas. Let's get back to the yeah. promotional problem. Sure. I, I do see what you're saying where the live guys went. And then all of a sudden there was this void, right? You've all of a sudden caught a bunch of big names out of the picture, but the PG tour should have somebody on the inside that they're getting yeah. this information from. Right. I guess right, that's right. my point. And that's what I feel like is lacking because you look at the UFC, another individual sport that is brilliant at promoting individual right. people. And right. I mean, everybody thought back when Ronda Rousey lost the title, cause she was their big promotional tool that all of a sudden, Oh, the UFC's done that they lost their right. cash cow. Then all of a sudden they promoted right. this young guy from Ireland who had charisma and yes, he did ends up being Conor McGregor. Right. right. And everybody right. talks about that rise of Conor McGregor. The UFC is the one who built him up and turned him 
into what he is and that mm-hmm. cash cow. And they do it mm-hmm. time and time again. All of a sudden, Israel Adesanya, you got John Bone Jones, which, by the way, that's a guy who, yeah, was an absolute legend. And they didn't even really want to promote him because of all the issues that were around him in his personal life, but still build him up because they know how much money somebody like that can make for them. That's one area right. that I think the PGA tour just has a problem where they don't get that inside information to say, Hey, this guy. And I think you're right, by the way, I think they, they check off guys that they don't come out and just crush it right off the bat. And all of a well, sudden start performing well. Well, I've said it numerous times before. And even after he won the Wells Fargo and was so impressive, now he will. But Wyndham Clark, how do I say it? Wyndham Clark doesn't sell tickets, right? Even after Wells Fargo, nobody woke up. Very few people woke up. No, because nobody knew about him. Yeah, I know. But it's obvious why they didn't know about him because he was just an average tour player that was barely keeping his car that had a ton of talent. And, And really, let's give props to Julie, right? His His... His shrink coach. I don't know her last name. Oh, I love I that tell- quote that she gave him too. Oh yeah, that was awesome. That was awesome. Think when they start yelling goals. Ricky's, yeah. When they start yelling Ricky's name, yeah. yeah. Well, she yeah. she told him to think of your goals and get cocky and go show them who you are. I love that. Yeah, I spent some. I got to know her a little bit because because Kyle Stanley is is a different person, right? And he's always looking for a little push and trying to do something different. And she actually came out with Kyle Stanley some years ago and helped him kind of blossom into, you know, winning a couple times on tour. Obviously, Kyle got the job done, but she was a big help. And, you know, I, I kind of checked her out the last year with Wyndham and she's all in on the putting green and she's whispering stuff to him all the time. She's helping him go through his routine and his practice. And so let, let's just say practice with a purpose and, and, Let's be honest. We know Wyndham's story, losing his mom to Canada to cancer, and it was obviously very devastating. And you know, I, I I lost my dad to melanoma at a very young age, but it was such a young age is that I didn't really have any heartbreak. I just went through my whole life feeling like I would see dads at little league games, and I was just like, man, I was what that must feel great, right? Because I was dealt, I was just dealt. There's nothing you can do. I don't whine yeah. about it. It's just it's just the hand you were dealt, and there's nothing you can do in life to change that. But I think he just, you know, is maturing as an individual. And I'm sure that, that, that I would never ask him this personally, but I'm sure that's why he probably had a lot of inner rage on the golf course because you get that, that huge loss in your life because we all know moms with young golfers and AGA-GIA golfers. They're the ones waking up at the crack of dawn, driving their kids everywhere. They ask enough. Parents ask nothing in return. You know, they just want their kids to be happy. So I'm sure he was thinking about her for the last hour or two out there. He actually said something at the end of the telecast uh, uh, about it. And I've never seen a winner, a, a caddy and a winner in a, such an emotional tear-filled embrace in my life and it and it broke me up a little bit too because it meant it just meant so much to him and i know he had his sister there and he had a group of guys there and i know as you know windham windham windham's a fun guy he likes to go out and have a couple drinks and talk some shit and he's a guy's guy right he's a guy's guy and everybody roots for a guy's guy but but the whole promoting thing i just don't think they I don't think they really knew. We know who's we know who sells the tickets. Well, now we know who's going to sell tickets because everybody's going to come want to come watch this young American, like you said, good looking, ripped, prototypical, handsome guy and he that can murders play some golf. the ball. 
I don't think it. that gets talked about enough on the broadcast. Yeah, he's as long as anybody, honestly, when he wants to be. He's as long as anybody. He's got such fantastic balance for such great speed. That is an athlete, and that's where the game is these days, right? I also that's where think the, the broadcast is. didn't do a great job of kind of touting him throughout. Yeah. I mean, you you were listening to the whole thing. I mean, they're yeah. basically like, oh, yeah, he's just he's one of those guys that just hits a cut. It's like, why are you like, why are you putting in that context? Like, yeah the guy absolutely murders the ball. Like talk about his length, talk about his accuracy, talk about how good his putting has been. And they started to here and there, but overall, I just, I thought they didn't do enough, even in the broadcast of really, and this is a guy who won six weeks ago, right? Max Homa Mm -hmm. said it best. Max Homa was talking about him before the, before Quell hollow. And then after Quell hollow, and then even, um, I want to say that it was either Sunday morning or Saturday. He was on an Instagram live with JT with Justin Thomas. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And they were drinking Rose. Exactly. I mean, real masculine. Max was looking a little slush. Let's be honest. Yeah. And this is coming yeah. from a guy who drinks on a show. So um, as right. we looked at him and all of a sudden he's like, yeah, I think Wyndham Clark is going to win it at 10 under. He nailed it. Yeah, he freaking he nailed, nailed it. it. Yeah, I mean, those guys he know knows how good. Well, and that's what I'm talking about. It's like if yeah. these guys all knew how good Wyndham Clark is and just knew that it was a matter of time right. because they right. play with each other in Scottsdale. I mean, Wyndham was talking about times that he was playing with Ricky Fowler out in Florida. And it's just like yeah. these guys know why can't the PGA Tour just have somebody that in player relations or whatever, or even within talent that it's like, hey, this guy, this guy's a there like got to start promoting them now so that when he wins it's that much bigger i just think the pga tour is leaving money on the table when these guys all of a sudden win and nobody knows of them and then all of a sudden they try to promote them it's almost that it's too late at that point and i don't know i mean i might be on an uh, island cool. on this one but no that's cool i understand but it was to me it was it was cool. listen there's two guys that sell the most tickets out here right it's ricky fowler and it's jordan speed every kid wants to come see ricky fowler and every kid wants to come see jordan speed and it was quite obvious after day one that this turned into the ricky fowler show and it was his tournament to win or lose and i just as much as i was rooting for him and his ricky and ricky romano you just had a feeling that that um uh he probably wasn't going to be that comfortable on a Sunday in that situation to me. I don't know. I just Look got that vibe. Look at trail, though. Look yeah. at that trajectory, right? I, that, well, you're, I know So you're that. spot on That's when you obvious. said, yeah. I mean, his trajectory is trending upwards, but it's still a yeah. little early in that trajectory yes. to win yeah. a U.S. Open. Yeah. And I kind yeah. of felt that going into Sunday, and I'm just like, when all of a sudden I saw him bogey, Gosh, how many holes in the first six holes? I think it was three bogeys in the first yeah. six. And I'm I'm just going, yeah, that's what I expected because Ricky Fowler is not entirely there yet, but he's there, if that makes sense. <coughs> Excuse me. He, and the unfortunate go ahead. I'm sorry, I interrupted. I was you. just gonna say that he has shown that his game is there, but he hasn't had enough experience recently in those right. big moments of winning right. golf tournaments. Right. And unfortunately, those Bogeying those the the first six holes are the ones that you get out there right you you got to build a little cushion and, and get it get you get around that front side or two or three or four under because the golf course as they as many guys have stated really starts really starts on the back side so on to next year on to pinehurst on pinehurst. pinehurst and i love yeah. pinehurst number two. Oh my god I you know that was my very wait. first u.s open as a caddy 2005 i worked for that 
stud out of Arizona, um, Chris Nallen. He never panned out, but you know when you're when, when you're counting on the you know when you're counting on the the then what were we the nationwide tour or web.com? I can't remember. Probably but nationwide he, back then. You got to win yeah. with him, and then he goes and does a qualifier. I was at home, and then the I'll, I'll never forget it. Then the agent calls me and says, "You're going to the U.S. Open at Pinehurst," and I told you my story. I got there two days early. I pulled into Caddy Parking. This BMW pulls in, and I'm watching this old guy that can barely walk it out of this BMW, and it's fluff. And I'm like, wow, this is awesome. And Chris made the cut there at Pinehurst. Obviously, you know, it's not the most famous winner, Michael Campbell, but it was very famous because Jason Gore, a local Southern California boy, one of our guys, you know, looked like he was going to win it. And, and it it turned out that him and Retief Grusin were in the last group and they were actually had a $5 bet. You remember the story on the last hole on who was going to crack 80 if one of them was going to crack 80. So I'm ready for I'm ready for Pinehurst and, and, you know, obviously I plan on being there with my, with, with, with my new talent because he's got the game that, that can probably, I'm not going to say he's going to ever win a U.S. Open, but he could sure be competitive on those super tough, on the super dark golf courses. So on to the next one, man, yeah. one more major to go. Now it's one of the favorite golf tournaments of all the players, which is the Travelers the Championship in Cromwell, yes. Connecticut, TPC. Yes. It is a yeah. great track up there. Bobby, give us a little bit of that course analysis. Well, I mean, it is green. It's very green because it's it's here in, well, you, you say it's Hartford, but it's actually Cromwell. It's in a kind of a little sleepy working class area. There's not a lot to do. It's not like the greatest hotels around. Like I said, I'm at the Holiday Inn Express, but there's something special. I mean, I know you're from, I wouldn't say you're from this neck of the woods, but you know, they're very passionate about their sports. You feel like when you're here that it's the only gig in town for a week. And for this to be an elevated event is just fantastic for the community. And it's an, it's an awesome golf course. It's, it's funny. My guy got, we played 18 holes in the pro-am yesterday on Monday, and it's kind of a simple golf course for the first couple holes. And I remember my guys thinking to myself, you know, 14 or 15 under usually gets it done around here. And Xander went Yahtzee last year and won one handily, you know, and got to 19 under, which you don't see out here. But he, my guy even said to me, after two holes, he goes, what's so hard about this course? And then all of a sudden you got to hit a nice little tee shot on three and you got the toughest hole in the course on four. Seven's a good, uh, is, is a, is a really good hole. You got some great par threes. And I always rave about these golf courses. You know, I love those golf courses where you turn on a Sunday and you're five shots off the lead and you're looking at 17 behind you, 17 green right there behind you. Um, where there's a drivable hole and there's a par five, you know, where you can make up some quick ground. Your guy that works out at your gym, Kevin, at your gym, Kevin Streelman, you know, came from the clouds some years ago. I believe I finished third or fourth that year with Brendan Steele. We posted a number early and I believe Streel's birdied seven in a hole, holes in a row on the backside, six or seven in a row to win by a couple shots. So it's just a super exciting golf course. It's in great shape. It's a really tough golf course when it gets firm, but unfortunately we got a little drizzle tonight and it looks like a Thursday through Sunday where we're in that 60 to 70% range, which it's going to soften up this golf course. Cause they got they You could feel them the last couple of days trying to get a little bit firm when you're walking on them. And, you know, I can almost feel it in, in, in certain tennis shoes that they're going to turn and get firm. And it looked like it was going to, but unfortunately I think with this rain coming that we're going to get a, a scorable golf course. But, but with that being said on the backside here, you still got to hit shots, right? Like that hole you're looking at 17, right there you know you're you're on a way elevated tee up there there's water that water all the way down the right you're hitting some kind of a hybrid or a two iron off the tee you got to cover the water on the next one 
get a good number. The par three before it, you remember what that's famous for? Two things. I'm going to see if your memory is any good. Bubba Watson melting down on Ted Scott. And for people that see that are watching this behind yeah. Matt on that red umbrella right there is the par three green that I was standing on last yep. year on when Thursday the golf when the kid <laughs> lost control of the golf cart and came Dang all the it. way I was down 17 T. Oh, uh, so all the way down 17 T. And the cart went right into the water and the kid was all bloody. And I was trying to. Bobby uh, turns around. Were, he's looking. I'm watching on PGA Tour that? live. And uh, yeah. I so, looked like this, didn't I? You were like, you were like, what? What what just happened? You wouldn't know. I was like, in shock. Yeah, as if I, I and then there's stuff floating. <laughs> well, <laughs> the yeah, the seat of the car. But you know, it's it could have been really uh, a disaster because no, there was no group on that 17 T, and he literally came across that thing. And you know what? Well, that surprises. I was just like, is this happening right now? But but you remember what happened was that. There was a marshal there next to the green on the right, what would be over Matt's left shoulder to my right. There was a marshal there. And when the kid got pitched out of the golf course, started coming down on the hill, that cart's moving 30 miles an hour. And these two marshals try and get into the way, like they're going to yeah. stop this golf cart from going in the water. And then you remember we were making fun because the cart got submerged and the guy stepped into the water. He's going to pull out a 5,000 pound golf cart and the seats floating down there. Behind oh, that, thing, you memory. can't see it for the grandstand is that famous 15th hole where you just see 40% of the guys hidden in the water over there on the left. It's funny, my kid, you know, my guy doesn't know this golf course, right? And that, and that par four right there is like one of the most famous par fours. I mean, there's 10 at Riviera, you know, there's a few that did just everybody in the world. Oh, that's going to be fun but for you. Here's a, here's a funny story. My kids, like I'm giving him numbers and he's like, Oh, and I'm like, you don't know this hole? 15? He's like, no, I don't see this hole before, Bob. I'm Korea, bro. I'm rookie. <laughs> and I'm like, it's a 15 at Hartford, at Travelers. You've never seen this hole? And he goes, just give me the number, bro. So I'm like, see what he goes, just give me the number. I go, and we're meters, right? 251 front and, and 16, 267. He's like, what do you, and I'm like, it's three wood. You know, it pitches a little short if it gets up. And, and I was just giving him. You know, wherever that flag is, you're finishing right of that flag. You know, you're not trying to hit this green. You're just trying to get up and down for birdie, right? So he pulls this thing left. We think he's like, where's that? And I go, it's in the water. It's in the water. He goes, that can't be in the water. I go, it's in the water. You've never seen this hole. I've seen this hole. It's in the water. So we're playing the program. We get down there and it's up by like an inch, right? And he, he's like, I got one foot in the water and he hits his chip shot to like two feet. And he makes three and I go, nice birdie. He goes, birdie? I go, yeah. I go, it's a par four, dude. He goes, this part four? <laughs> oh, yeah, this is an L.A. North. So, oh so it's, su it's super exciting. And then we have a, a, a we have a par five before that. I'm getting all excited now. He's we have a par have five a before blast. that. Yeah, we have a par five before that, 13 over that little pond that has the huge slope in the green where it's funny, Mike. I striped one down the middle and had a four iron in. And I was telling him, hey, you know, you just got to miss this green to the right. And and he hits this beautiful looking thing right on this back left bag. And he doesn't know there's a huge slope there. And and when a four iron lands on the green and gets to the top of the slope and goes all the way back down the water, he just like goes like this, turns his hat sideways. And he goes, what's this? And I go, <laughs> <laughs> you just got to go up there and make sure that you're missing this green to the right. So we're, su we're super excited. It's in great. It's in fantastic shape. Everybody who is a great player other than those, you know, eight or 10 of those live guys are here and it's our last $20 million event. And there's some extra points. Um, ticket sales are going through the roof. Like I said, it's a sleepy little Cromwell area, but they come from 
you know, guys will come from New York City. They'll come from New York and they'll drive over and they'll spend the weekend here. So we can't we can't wait to get it. Go. You see that little red umbrella there? They do this oh, little yeah. thing with the. Yeah. So they do this little, that's actually a green, right? It's AstroTurf. And there, there's early in the week, there's a flag up there and it's a little 85 yard shot. So the caddies and the players get to get up there and hit a shot for, for charity and that How'd kind of you stuff. Do, and, well, I'm, I'm, I'm slightly better than my two for 16 at 17 at the players. So I'm about three for 17 on this one. And I landed it just short right under the corner of the umbrella like there. And I, I flagged it, but every year I keep telling myself, you know, it's 85 yards and I don't swing a golf club anymore. Right. And that's like a, that's a perfect 58 or 60 degree for somebody. Right. But I'm always trying to chip this low kind of 56. And, and um, uh, I don't know, I'm convinced that AstroTurf, those mats, there's a little AstroTurf mat. You, have you ever practiced on mats where you're like, oh, I can draw the ball now. Have you ever noticed that for some reason you feel like it bounces into the ball and it goes left a little bit? <laughs> well, the, well, like, well in a normal grass, that that's a chunk. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> our viewers don't need to know that Matt. they're not good golfers man they're just average golfers so anyways that's i'm not saying right that down. our audience yeah. members are fantastic golfers <laughs> i will tell you that it's funny i was i i am a big fan of austin kaiser uh, and joe griner that austin kaiser is xander's caddy and joe griner is max's caddy right and i saw this and the reason why these guys are great caddies i watched this guy uh austin kaiser out there um, for 18 holes, uh, for nine holes on the backside, uh, walking this golf course, like he had never seen it before in his life. And now that is it. Now that's a caddy. He's out there grinding. And I, I was giving him shit in the middle of 14 fairway. I go 19 under last year, bro. What are you doing out here? And he goes, trying to get to 20, Bob, trying to get to 20, wow. but he is just taking such time. And he's such a true, he's such a true professional. And it's nice to see how, how far we've come as caddies in the long run, you know, where, where we'd get the hot dog and not allowed in the locker room. And, and, you know, and it's, it's fun. It's a, it's a big business job now. Right. And we're all super proud of the way that the PGA tour has, you know, embraced us as part of the family, so to speak. Of course they could make some more strides and that kind of stuff, but it's nice to be part of this action. And we're really getting, looking forward to getting going here. Penny bit. Love that. Penny, Penny bits. bits. Penny bits. Penny bits. Hey, You're the champion of the world. It is Penny bets time. Go. Five go, rounds man. of Penny bet action. Here we go. All right, mm -hmm. Bobby, I get to go first since I am the big winner. Go ahead. And I am going to go with, Patrick Cantley. Are you really? Gosh, you just opened the door for me to pick one of two favorites, but I was so impressed with Austin Kaiser out there. I am going to go with the defending champion at 19 under Xander Souffle. Souffle. <laughs> Xander Souffle will be my pick. And that is our only bet. We're not doing So here's any... the thing. Now we got best friends going at it this week. Yeah, we do. That's right. I forgot about I knew, that. I angle. knew if I went Patrick Cantlay that you were going to go yeah. Xander. And I don't think well, Xander's going to repeat. Guess who my second choice would have been? Scotty Chef. <laughs> I mean, why wouldn't I? If he could putt, he'd win seven oh tournaments my in a row. God. I actually I had that as a question tonight because go if ahead. Scotty <laughs> Scheffler could putt right now, would he not yeah. be the closest thing to the domination that we saw from Tiger Woods? Yeah, he would I be. I mean, he'd, he'd be winning he everything right now. 
Dustin hit that little run some years ago where he he won three out of four tournaments and he looked like he was unbeatable. I, but I am surprised that Scotty Scheffler has not snapped a putter on national television yet because some of those butts are U-G-L-Y. You ain't got no alibi. You ugly. <laughs> yeah. They are limping up there. They're not catching edges. They're not and good. You're just, they're not they're just not good for a guy that was known for supposedly making everything but golf is hard right matt golf yeah. is hard and it, it and it has no favorites golf has no favorites and you know this 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 another thing about this course it's got drama right remember this is where i was behind furick when he went for a little 58 this is where jordan hooped that bunker this is where jordan hit the tee off of 18 and kicked back in the fairway he got a miraculous up and down and they took down burger by hook hooping that bur- that bunker shot you know so we got a lot to be thankful for right now a lot i do i'm very grateful for golf and its current state which brings us to the part that uh, we're not so grateful for which is the merger so the latest on yes. the merger First of all, Nothing. I know everybody probably <laughs> has heard that Jay Monahan stepped down due to a medical issue for a short period yep. of time. So we wish him all the best uh, yes, on a serious do. note. We hope you get better very, very soon. Um, I mean, in this type of atmosphere and everything and with how much drama and stress was going on, a human being can't take you text me after last week's show and you, and you sent me that about Jay. And I, I I mean, my response to you was no human being can handle the amount of stress and pressure Mm -hmm. that is on him right now, because it's not positive stress. It's negative stress. Um, so that, uh, we wish you nothing but the best and, uh, kudos to you for having the kahunas to just sit there and take it for the most part. Now, Tom Watson, he had a scathing, open letter are you not positive on this you're you're negative on it i don't like him i don't like him i don't like him at all i don't think a lot of guys out here he's a different era i don't think a lot of guys out here like him at all you know i i i have i have met him a couple times i've never had any words with him but there's a couple famous caddies out here who i stayed with um I want to say when Phil won Mirfield, if you've heard our past episode, you know who these caddies were. And we went down to this pizza place a couple nights and he just thought he was the president. He's out there signing articles, kissing babies. And I, I, one of these famous caddies made a comment like he's just not that he's just not that nice of a guy. He thinks this shit doesn't stink. Excuse me for saying that. And I read about the first paragraph and i just like i am not you're gonna have to fill me in man this is your department but i am not going to go through this because this is a different generation this is a different era yes he's one of the greatest golfers of all time but he's not yes he's a pga tour member yes he was a fantastic champion tour player multiple majors we all know about the shot on 17 at pebble beach we almost we all know he was a british open domination which was unbelievable for an american at that stage we also know that at 50 some years old he was one par away on 18 from taking down Stewart sink at, at, um, at Trumpy's place that Trumpy bought. So, you know, I'm just not a big fan of this guy because it's like, you know, and, and not to mention his antics when he recently coached the, was the Ryder cup captain where he created division inside the locker room. Like it's going to be my way or it's not going to happen kind of deal with the parents. And it's like, man, I'm a big fan of, of, of recently retired golfers, you, you know, or golfers that are still playing a Jim Furyk or a Zach Johnson or Freddie Couples that are in the loop with the with the younger players. So I feel like that letter was all about him and how he would do things. So I couldn't take it after one paragraph because I knew 
I knew that opening paragraph. Oh, I wish Jay the best, and he's great, and that well, kind of stuff. And I'm and like, and it was a little was condescending a as it went on. Yeah, I mean, it, it kind of became a what changed from before to now, and I wanted, I want answers, and I mean, rightfully so that everybody wants answers right now. But why does it need? Like, why did you need to put yourself out there? Yeah. and write yeah. this open letter, like. If you had a bunch of players signing off on it and it wasn't just from you and it was an open letter from numerous players, I can understand that. Um, So I'm I'm with you um, from that standpoint. I wanted to get your take on it. So it was interesting to see that kind of inside scoop around Tom Watson, the person. And nobody talked about it. Nobody talked about it out here the last couple of days. I don't think anybody really. You know, these are young guys out here, right? They grew up watching Tom, but some of them were so young they didn't never even got to watch Tom Watson play, other than you know, Shell's wonderful world of golf highlights or or the, the shot I'm talking about. Shell's yeah, wonderful I, world of golf I highlights. They're so on YouTube, saw, by the way, folks. Yeah, nobody's nobody talked about nobody really talked about it out here. So and you know, any that's just word a, from the meeting this evening because well, there was so, the meeting. Yeah, so I did make a couple phone calls, and there there was nothing. There was no news. There was a little update. I, I believe they were just saying, "Hey, Jay's Jay's doing fine, and hopefully he'll be back soon," and that kind of stuff. We don't have very we we don't have very many answers for you as far as as the PIF goes and that kind of stuff. But be patient with us and have faith in us and trust in us that we are taking this the right way and the right direction. Um, I think Rex Hoggard wrote a little a little paragraph that kind of said the same thing. I do know that a few of the players that I text said, Hey, there was no Grayson Murray fucking standing. Excuse me. I said it. Sorry. I hope we don't get that YouTube ban. Grayson Murray's not standing up calling for somebody's resignation fresh off of his corn fairy tour win. And that the guys were more embraceive and they were all ears and, and there was just nothing to come out of it. But there was another meeting at five o'clock today. For the first time in a long time, there was a mandatory caddy meeting that we all had to go to at five o'clock. That's going to be exciting. That's fun. That's going to be better to talk about. So, (coughs) excuse me. We have new caddies coming in every single year, right? And I've said uh, in the past, you know, the the big topic was bunker rake, something simple like bunker raking, right? Like taking your time raking a bunker. You guys are doing. They they said it very positively, but they said it's a you know, they, they were they were like, hey, you know, it's a couple of officials in there and they flat out said it and said, you guys look around. You're the best caddies in the world, right? You guys are the best caddies in the world. You represent the best caddies in the world. You represent all caddies. You know, we need to tighten up the bunker raking. If divots go flying in bunkers, you know, we're all telling sharing stories about it. We're pulling out six or seven divots. Guys aren't taking their time raking bunkers. So that was a very big topic. Another topic that was brought up that, I've heard about, but I've never really witnessed everything is obviously we've got rid of these greens books, but apparently there are some guys that are still just say cheating. Apparently that they're putting, you know, stuff in their greens books in these, in these new yardage books that we carry that don't have a ton of detailed information. They're adding stuff that they shouldn't be adding in. So that was a big topic that we need to police each other on that. And they're, and if they hear or if the officials heard any more stories, excuse me, I got the birds going tonight. If they might be the nicotine pouches, buddy, I don't know. <laughs> um, but, you know, they, they reserve the right to spot check some books because there's, as I've told you before in the past, there's been rumors going around of some, I'm not going to mention any names, of some very successful, wealthy 
counties out here who's had who've had unbelievable last two or three years that they're fudging the system and doing stuff in these books that they shouldn't be doing. So we're supposed to we're going to police each other with something like that. Um, locker room access was a topic. I remember when I first started out, we couldn't go. It was like an alarm would go off if we went in the locker room, but things have changed there. So they wanted to make sure that that, you know, obviously with the track mans and the quads and the changing of equipment and that kind of stuff, we are I literally was in and out of the locker room six times today. But you're in and you're out. You're not in there to grab a beer out of the cooler that are there for the players. I mean, if a caddy wants to go in and grab a couple of beers and take it back to his hotel room, that's fine. But so they don't want any um, lingering there. You know, you're you're. I think we all look pretty good out there. We take pride in how we look and that kind of stuff, but they just wanted to go over some dress code things and stuff like that. And pace of play was, was brought up today. And it was, it was quite obviously that, that they are, you know, going to start enforcing pace of play more and they are depending on us to keep our players moving out there and for us to keep our eyes in front of uh, up front. And if a group gets away that we need to, you know, a player's focus on his game. They're not, they're not seeing where the group is in front of them, you know, but they're, they're putting some responsibility on us to keep pace of play. Obviously that's a big issue on the PGA tour pace of play going. And just a few topics like that. It was a, it was kind of a raw, raw session, but when you get 130 caddies in there, you know, you get, I'm not going to mention any names, but you get, you get the two or three guys that are raising their hands for questions that just that think they're smarter than everybody else. And, and, you know, one guy asks a stupid question and then all of a sudden there's 20, it's a disrespectful 20 or 30 comments and guys are rumbling. And it's like, Hey, just, can we just shut up and pay attention to the program? So I guess we're going to have one of these meetings about every year right now, but they, you know, they, like I said, they were, they pumped up. Some, we, we are the best, you know, we are the best caddies in the world for obvious reasons because we work for the best players in the world, but there are certain standards that we need to set on television. And they just wanted to make sure that everybody was on the program. Nobody was doing anything that they shouldn't do. And, you know, to look good out there and take care of the bunkers and divots, divot replacement has been horrible out, out here. You know, nobody takes their time replacing divots and, you know, I, I understand Bermuda shreds and everything and goes to a million pieces, but you can, it takes two seconds to scoop that Bermuda, uh, kick that divot in with your, with your foot, replace whatever you can replace. Even if you're in the rough, you know, um, there was a topic that, that, the you know, the last group of the, just because you're the last group of the day doesn't mean you don't rake a bunker, right? You don't True. leave it for maintenance. It's, it's, it's protocol to do a very good job. And, and I said this to a couple of caddies before while we were walking to the parking lot, I said, you know, I could walk into the caddy room and I could, I could pinpoint at two tables who the, who the majority of the guilt is. It's not as veteran guys, because we take pride in, I know it's a silly topic to talk about, but we take pride in our bunker raking and you want it. Basically, Matt, you you wanted to look better after you're done with it than when you got into it, you know. I so that was this, a since you gave me that <coughs> bunker tip, flipping advice, it backwards, yeah, flipping it backwards, yeah. flattening it out, and then yeah, breaking it through. Yeah, um, yeah. bunkers have not grade. been more beautiful. Yeah, it's very light. Yeah. You, yeah. you got to do it so, very light. Sometimes I get out of a bunker and I'm like, God, I did a good job on that. And sometimes I get out of a bunker and I look and I'm like, man, I didn't do a very good job. I need to get back in there. So my, my point is nobody's ever gotten mad at a caddy for taking his time raking a bunker. It's when you do the quick rake jobs and you get out of there. And listen, I understand that your player can be 50 yards ahead of you and that kind of stuff. But we we – the veteran caddies out there that have experience, we work together as a team, right? So let, let's say that that 
that me and Matt are playing on the PGA Tour. We both drive it into the same bunker, right? Well, let's say Matt knocks it on the green. Matt knocks it on the green, right? And and I knock it, and I'm short of the green, so I'm going to be the next to play. So it's protocol out here that that caddy is going to get both spots for both guys to keep pace and play going. So it's just little things that they wanted to touch on the greens book thing was like a trip to me because i'm such a karma guy where i'm like how can how can guys do you know how how can guys that are successful do something like that and live with themselves at night so it'll be the 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 deal is is that they're going to start spot checking guys if they if they hear stories you know no no you want to know what the big topic was too and i'm not going to mention what official was in there running the meeting but he's kind of a head official and he didn't say the word bullshit, but he goes, listen, guys, the flashing, the clubs to television is fine. The flashing, the five. But he basically said, he goes, if if that scenario with Brooks Kepka and Ricky and Butchie and Gary Woodland happened out here, we're not going to stand for it. That's going to be a deuce for both guys. Both guys are going to be penalized. If somebody wants to come look in your bag, just do it the right way. Let them see what you hit, but you don't need to be, you can still flash television, but if we see it happen, we are not going to be afraid to slap somebody with a fine. So everybody, you know, they didn't like it that the fact that after this happened with Brooks and it was blatantly obvious that it happened, right? We all know Mm -hmm. it was blatantly obvious. (laughs) They, I think they really got the rules official staff a little sideways when they said it's common out here. And honestly, mm. I've done it before. I'm going to tell you, I've done it many times where guys looked at me and I don't like doing it in the fairway, you know, but I'll do it. I, I, I flashed this before for a seven iron or this. I never, you never think of it as like soliciting advice, you know, because they still have to execute and hit a shot. So that was also, <clears throat> that was also a big topic. You know, I had a, I had a big question. You can, she can't use these greens books or that information in <clears throat> during competition. Right. So my big thing was, okay, suppose we're at Phoenix and we get that frost delay, right? And nobody finishes, right? And you have to restart at 730 in the morning. And you you know, your guy has a 12 foot putt, you know exactly what angle it's from, right? And and I've seen it happen in the past where some some caddies whip out Green's book and they're look and listen, it doesn't take most of us caddies have really good memories, but it doesn't take a genius to figure out this is a 3.2, this is a 2.2, and this is a 1.6 right to left slope. I've seen caddies do that. And I brought that up to the media and I go, tell me tell me the scenario where there is a restart or weather delay and a guy has a 15-footer and I see and a caddy looks at his greens book and that kind of stuff. And you know what they said to me? So you can do it. You know, we haven't touched on that, that you're, it's not during competition that you could do something. And that didn't feel right to me. And even the official said, he's like, it, I know it doesn't feel right. That's a topic that we're talking about, but it's not during competition. So you can use that stuff. And, and the other things about putting levels on greens, you know, you can't put a level on a green anymore. You can put it on a putting green. And I think we all came to the conclusion the problem is, is they do sell these greens books for a certain amount of players because they like using them. You can use them in a practice round. <clears throat> and we all have them from years, from the last three or four years in our closets. And we'll we'll bring them to tournaments and stuff like that, but we won't use them. I think it's getting to the point where they're just going to say, there's no greens books allowed. You cannot reference a greens book. We're going back to feel and that kind of stuff. It's slowing down play. Um, some guys like doing it. I, I think it's no coincidence that... Bryson DeChambeau has not won a tournament since then. I think it's no coincidence, I'm going to say it, and I've said it before, that Dustin and Austin Johnson have not won a golf tournament then because they were very reliant on that, and they got very good at figuring out how to read a greens book. If, 
If you put we'll a green book in front, live events there, Bobby. Settle down, big man. <laughs> Forty-eight guys, forty-seven guys to be. Yeah, I don't think they can use. I, I'm, I, they can't use them on those either. But, but you made a good point on that. But I, I meant, I meant out here where those guys I get know. addicted to it. I have, I have hundreds. So you're of these against green, the greens books. Yeah, well, everybody is the USG. You know, it's it's against the rule. It's against the rules now. But well, now, I will, but. Can I say this? I, I used to carry a greens book because Sung Jay and the Koreans, and I've had many players that like to look at them. And I couldn't, it's, it's an art form to figure out. Yes, you can see the slopes, right? But it's an art form to figure out the angle. And just because something, an arrow is going right to left doesn't necessarily mean that that putt is going right to left. What I used to use them for is is approach shots more than anything. Like where is exactly the backstop and exactly which way is that backstop going and what's it going to do as it races by the hole and and, and try and get the, the best look. So I think, I think we all came to the agreement that these things need to go bye-bye in the future. So that goodbye. was the big meeting. Goodbye, green the, books. The caddy meeting. Yeah, and it's funny. I had finished at like 2 o'clock. The meeting was at 5 o'clock, right? And I'm wearing my, you know, typical, uh, you know, a dry fit and gym shorts and some sick-ass Jordans. The Luca <laughs> ones are out Ooh. with the salmon on it, folks. You can get them cheap on stock eggs. So, and they're, and they're like, hey, we don't want any caddies out here. We, we see some of this attire with like gym shorts and a t-shirt and i'm sitting there wearing that at the table you know everybody's like staring at me and they're like no we're not talking to you it's all good you know just during pace of play obviously you know it it, it, it they told us it rattles some players you know when tiger up with you remember the nike mocks that came out not yeah. the full mocks but the you know the ones that were cut like this just like a crew neck and that kind of stuff they were saying that a couple of players have complained like hey this caddy's not you know maybe having a bad day just come look at this caddy he's not wearing a golf shirt and he was telling the story where he went out and he looked at this caddy he's like what dude it's fine it's nike it's the same shirt that tiger wears and that kind of stuff so it was just it was just little things that we were touching on i wish i had more information for you from the player meeting i'm sure i might get a tidbit of information that we i can pass on to you next week but i do know that there's another big meeting next week at detroit which doesn't have the same quality feel that this one does so you know may, as time goes on you know we all we we wish jay the best i mean there's 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 people out there that are conspiracy theory thinking that that um uh that this is a, a planned sickness, so to speak, which just breaks my heart, you know, because no. this is on his way out. And you put that with the with the Tom Watson letter. And then you saw Davis Love came out with something today, a very short three paragraph thing. And that's like, hey, I've been on these pack boards before and I am a hundred and ten percent behind the PGA tour. They they know what they're doing. They know how to run these golf tournaments and and I am behind them whenever they decide. So that's it from the meetings. There it is. Great work, Bob. That's it. Great work. Thanks, buddy. Yeah, and yeah, great show okay. tonight. I appreciate Caddy, you. Caddies are people too. Absolutely. They're big. Talking about taking went back when I was a big IPA drinker, right? At this tournament at Hartford, they have like eight different kinds of seven, eight percent IPAs. And they used to do it at TPC Boston too. And <clears throat> I would literally, you know, I would literally go in there with the shoe. I would take out like six or eight <laughs> beers and I'm like, I'm going to save 30 bucks on beers. And I'm going to get a good little buzz tonight, but I'm, you know, two and a half years later, I'm, I'm uh, past this stage. Can I, can I share a personal story with you? Sure. Okay. So a personal story. So obviously it was father's day, you know, last Sunday, but I, I caught a flight out of there super, super early on Sunday morning to try and get really prepared um, for this week. My guy hadn't seen the course, as I said, but we had a little date night, me and Lori in downtown Charleston Thursday, a place called 
It's on Cannon Street, which is a famous street down there. It runs, it runs yeah, it runs across uh, up to King, Upper King Street, you know, and she found this restaurant, uh, Southbound, it was called, right? So we went in, had a nice little romantic dinner. It was average at best. You know, I don't drink, but on date nights, I'd like to have a drink. So <clears throat> Tito's on the rocks, right? With three big blue cheese olives, right? So I drink these Tito's and I'm like, oh, yeah, I'm feeling frisky. Got the hotel room tonight. Boom, boom. Got the blue pill. Everything's going to be great. Um, and then she's like, you're going to have another drink. She's had a margarita. So, And then I have a glass of wine. We obviously have a babysitter, spent the night with the boys, but we had some soccer early. So we had to wake up early. <clears throat> Can I tell you one Tito's on the rocks and one glass of some red wine? I felt like shit for like 48 hours. How's that? Do you remember those things? No headache, no headache or anything like that. And I remember Lori's like, how are you? And I'm like, I feel like shit. My stomach's all jacked up. I have no energy. And I looked at her and I go, I would pay. Can you go to the neighbor's house? Because I got a $50 bill for anybody that's got a Xanax right now. Because that's all I'm craving right now is a Xanax and just (laughs) melt into the couch and watch the Ricky Fowler show. So that's my personal thing. That's why I quit drinking. There you go. And so so I taught my little boys the word lightweight, Lightweight. what a lightweight is. (laughs) I said, look at me and look at the color of my face. I am a lightweight now. Bobby B out. Bobby B out. Matt C out. Bobby B out. Yeah. Thanks, everybody. Have a Thanks, good night, Matt, Bobby. man. Have a good I'll week. I'll see you next week. All Take right. care. Thank you for tuning in to season two of the Pull Hook Golf Podcast. Make sure to hit subscribe and go to www.pullhookgolf.com for more.